From Huntsville, Texas, this is your host, Joey Barra, with episode three of the Res Live Night Shift. So, a little change of plans. In our last episode, we had said that we would be talking about keeping your student staff motivated through study week, finals week, and closing operations. However, because of study week, finals week, and closing operations, we have decided to hold off on that discussion a little bit longer. Instead, this week we're going to be talking about staff evaluations. So, whether you just had them or you are in process of having them, this episode is going to be full of information that you are going to want to have. So thanks for tuning in. Here is the show. So, staff evaluations. Dum, dum, dum. They are an essential part of our jobs as supervisors. Without evaluations, it gets pretty hard to measure how much a staff member has grown or if you need to pull them aside and address certain areas of their performance. So whether it is your first time giving an evaluation or your 50th, there are always going to be curveballs and you're not going to be 100% ready. You may be faced with a difficult conversation. You may have to come up with an action plan. You may be even accused of attacking someone personally. So the question is, how do you keep it positive? How do you keep it constructive? But most importantly, how do you keep constructive feedback from being perceived as an attack? In all honesty, nothing should be a surprise on evaluation day. Today, we have two professionals in the field who are going to be sharing their thoughts on evaluations, and they will also be providing some tips for those of you that are listening. The first guest on today's show is Debbie Scheibler from Northeastern Pennsylvania. Debbie is the Director of Residence Life at Wilkes University, and today she has some pretty great information to share with you all. Debbie Scheibler, I am the Director of Residence Life at Wilkes University in Northeastern Pennsylvania. All right, so let's talk about staff evaluations. I enjoy using staff evaluations if for no other reason that nobody likes getting blindsided by feedback. Uh, no one wants feedback to come out of the blue. And frankly, there's no way to gauge your growth or your progression or your deficiencies without something tangible in which to build upon. So I use staff evaluations as a baseline uh, for my team so that they know uh, where they're excelling and, and where they're falling behind and what areas they can work on. The type A person in me uh, really values having a roadmap. The free spirit in me likes to know just a general gauge of where I'm at on the scale. Um, but the professional in me enjoys having something I can base growth and progression on for myself and for my team. More and more, the work that we're doing in higher education needs to have data to back it up. And I know folks think data um, is scary and dirty and gross, and it's not. But I wonder if folks are really thinking of evaluations as a form of data, because even though it doesn't necessarily have a bunch of quantitative numbers all over, it, it still absolutely is data for your staff members and how to kind of gauge the work that they're doing. So, uh, you know, whether you consider it a report card, whether you consider it a, a formalized process, a PDF, a self-reflection, a 360, a longitudinal, call it whatever you want, but it is data and it's data that your team needs. Um, so for sure, benefits of having staff evaluations are baseline, something tangible, something you can monitor, something you can revisit. And not that folks really like to think about it, but if you have to use a staff evaluation and a progression plan and a follow-up plan uh, at the time of termination, man, I will go back to my staff evaluations all day long to justify why I have to make a change in staffing for 
my team and, and for the, the department I'm working at. So what's some advice that I have for other folks in being fair and ethical with your staff evaluations? The first thing is, you know, I think you need to evaluate frequently and early. If you are telling someone that they're deficient in their job, at the termination conversation, you have failed. You suck as a supervisor. You need to be giving this feedback to your team way, 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 way earlier. You know, in the moment, give them some evaluations. And it doesn't even have to be super formalized. It's pulling that person in and be like, hey, uh, Joshua, I really don't appreciate how this conversation went down. And let's revisit our expectations for staff. Or, you know, hey, Dana, I, I'm really struggling with your lack of follow through with the administrative task of submitting your program proposals to weeks before and you continually are doing it the day of or not at all, let's revisit that. Uh, you do it in the moment so that it's fresh and it's relevant. You're not waiting and letting things slide and slide and slide and slide and slide. Um, as supervisors, it's really easy. You want your team to like you and you want to be the cool supervisor and down with the kids and all those things. But to be a compassionate supervisor, to be an empathetic and ethical supervisor, you need to you need to call your team out for um, their deficiencies in those moments. So it can be an actual teachable moment you can all grow from it versus them resenting you for allowing them to flounder for so long. What I really love in the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott, she specifically talks about a compassionate supervisor that actually gives a damn about their people is one that will hold them accountable for their actions and their behaviors when they aren't meeting expectations. So I challenge all of us listening uh, to the podcast right now and, and, you know, taking this back to your team, you know, be honest with your folks and, you know, evaluate them early and in the moment and kind of just further that, set up an evaluation timeline. If it's, you know, a formal evaluation should take place mid-year and again at the end. So you've got, got some um, some benchmarking there so you can show where are you at mid-year in this academic year and how did you finish out the year and how does that influence your ability to return to staff. Um, but in the moment, absolutely course corrections are forms of evaluation and forms of assessment and forms of feedback. And those are really, really, really important. How can you evaluate folks with uh, without being high, high stress and high stakes? Make it part of the culture. Just have conversations and approach it like that. Don't think of it as like this stuffy meeting where your hands are sweaty and the lights are you know just right and you have to have everything perfect. Like have conversations with people. Um, supervision is hard. Supervision is absolutely hard. But you know what? You're human and your staff is human. And if you acknowledge the fact that like you're all on the same team, you all have the same goal, you want your team to be successful, you want your students to be well supported, you want your department to be excelling in best practices and ethical and, and all of those things, you know, approach it as people and approach it in that way, I think you're going to be really successful in having honest, authentic conversations of evaluation versus terrifying conversations where you're uptight, your supervisee's uptight, everyone's nervous. A fair amount of professionalism and, and nerves is probably healthy, but if it's crippling you and it's, you know, super, super, super high stress, you know, that that is, you know, something I would encourage you to evaluate how you can increase the relationship building that you have going on in your team so that your, your conversation with them about evaluation isn't as high stress. Now, of course, there's going to be folks out there listening like, well, what happens if it's a job action conversation? Yeah, those are hard. Those suck to have. No one likes to have an actual job action where you're terminating someone from the position or you're suspending them or putting them on some kind of leave with or without pay. No one likes to have those conversations. They are hard to have. But that goes back to why evaluation is so important and why documentation is so important. You ultimately end up going back to the facts and, and you know, what behaviors took place and how that aligns or or is incongruent with what your expectations are. Um, so again, always making sure that you've got that documentation. It covers your butt. It 
It provides a clear roadmap. Expectations that are clear are easier to follow. Expectations that are vague, really, really, really hard for folks to get on board with that. And it's really an unrealistic expectation of a supervisor to expect their team to follow some gray, muddy, you know, poorly explained list of expectations. So just something to kind of think about. We kind of touched on it, but action plans, when you have to actually provide kind of a roadmap for course correction, need to also be clear. And the person doesn't have to love the fact that you've put them on an action plan, uh, but you do need to articulate to your, your staff member that by X date, I expect the following to be achieved, attained, worked on, um, but make sure it's something measurable. Make sure it's something that you can actually go back and it's tangible or it's able to be proven, or I expect, you know, X amount of programs to be completed. I expect, you know, the deadline for submission of paperwork to be X amount of hours, something that is tangible, not just, you know, I hope to see improvement. Well, what does that mean? You have to kind of operationally define it. We're going to dig back into grad school here and use some of those terms. Uh, You know, you want to provide clear direction in that way. And here's another thing that I would encourage, you know, as you're thinking about somebody's action plan, think about what your action plan as a supervisor is also going to be, because it is a two-way street, two-way street, my friends. It is absolutely not just your employee's job to adjust and improve. You as a supervisor are improving every single time uh, you have a conversation with your team. You are improving and have the opportunity to grow every single time you have a conversation, a one-on-one, a department meeting. And so while you're providing a roadmap for your staff member for improvement in an action plan, think of one for yourself. Completely your prerogative if you want to share it with them as well and let them know, hey, while you're working on this, I'm also working on that. Depends on your culture. You might not want to do that. But if you do want to, you know, let them know, cool, good, great. It's going to be completely the relationship that you have and the culture that you have. Me personally, I probably wouldn't be telling them, and while you're working on this, I will be working on that. But I would hope that my actions would demonstrate that I too was seeking improvement and kind of going in that round. I guess my final thing in my little block of time here, and again, thanks so much for the opportunity to to share my perspectives on staff evaluation, would again be just make sure you're making it part of your culture because then it does become natural. Then it does become part of who you are as a supervisor. Staff evaluations, reflection, assessment, all of those things all go back to how we can be better. And while it is incredibly personal, it's not a personal attack on someone to provide constructive uh, feedback for somebody. So, you know, I think holistic approaches are the way to go. If you can get outside feedback, do that. If you can utilize resident feedback in incorporating with what you're, uh, you're talking to your RA or your hall directors about, great. If you're able to get peer reflection, if that's something that's appropriate for your campus, that's always a really nice component. But really make sure that you're steeping it in what are the aspirations and goals of your staff member? What do they want to be when they grow up? What do they want to accomplish by the end of the year? How does an evaluation play into them achieving their own goals? Remembering that evaluation and assessment is always a constant opportunity for growth and progression, feedback, uh, so that they can improve who they are as a a professional and has how they carry themselves in the professional realm, I think is always really important. So feedback, staff evaluations are not scary. I think once you kind of learn your style, learn your team, master yourself in them, they're really, really valuable. I am a big fan and go out there and do great work. And uh, thanks so much again to the uh, Res Life Night Shift podcast for letting me be a part of it. Our second guest comes from Southeast Texas. Corbin is a residence life professional who is relatively new to the field. He'll be sharing his perspective after having completed a few semesters worth of evaluations. 
Hello everyone, my name is Corbin. I'm a residence life professional down in Southeast Texas. Today, I guess we're gonna talk a little bit about evaluations and student staff. So the benefits that I believe of student staff evaluations are it gives us a chance to really see the progress of our students and really see a, a sort of development from when they come in as a first semester RA and then see the progress to second semester, third semester, fourth semester. And it really gives us a benchmark to set goals at the beginning of each semester with our student staff members and look at those at the end of the semester um, and see how far they've grown. So this is actually my third semester to engage in student staff member evaluations and I feel like I've gotten a little bit better and I've found a couple of tricks down the way. One thing that has definitely helped me as a professional is to keep tabs on good things and a little more of those learning moments that we can and, and de developmental moments that we can give our students and keep note of those through a tangible reporting process. So whenever it comes to the end of the semester, we know um, what kind of incidents and what kind of developmental moments that we have with our students. And we can use those as examples to show, you know, uh, you have done very well this semester and, and your strengths have really strengthened. I think that you've done very well this semester. But in the same sense, though, we have those other moments that are there to be a little bit more reflective and introspective so we can get definite learning outcomes that we need for our students to develop them into producing wonderful staff members for their transferable skills and things of that nature. And one way that I try to keep low stress between my staff members and myself is I give them a chance first to give me a face value evaluation of me because one, it's not fair to allow that sort of non-transparency in evaluations that are given anonymously whenever I can give them an evaluation face to face. And I think it's it's a little bit more, it's, it's less fair for me because I have the utmost respect for my staff members. And I, I feel like that kind of degrades that respect when it needs to be reciprocated a little bit. So that's one way that I um, try to alleviate some of that stress and I, I I tell them you know you can you can take the gloves off and tell me um, uh, whatever you, you've got this is really a chance for you to tell me how you think I, I need to develop and really and truly as a, a new professional it really is helpful for those times of that respectable dialogue because you can read a piece of paper of what somebody said all day but if somebody comes to you face to face and says has the respect to say it to you face to face it means a little bit more and you're able to look at yourself as a professional in that way also and I found that that is actually pretty helpful with my student staff members uh, and they, they seem to have been pretty receptive to that and with those learning moments and doing those those and those good moments of staff members doing what they want to do and achieving their goals. One, th one thing also, let me go back to saying, um, I keep a note of, uh, of everything that I need to follow up with that student. And we actually have our one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings every other week. So everything that happens in that two-week period, I'm able to go back and look at 
my students file and they are able uh, and I'm able to have those difficult conversations with them. And as far as having those difficult conversations with them, I tend to preface these these conversations with, hey, this is not I'm not targeting you. It's more more or less, hey, I'm here to help you and I want to devise a plan for you to do better and to be better because that's why we're here. We're here to develop these individuals and um, help them achieve all that they want to, especially as a student staff member, but even more as a student and an individual. An advice that I have for new professional staff coming into doing evaluations, as a new professional or relatively new professional, the first time I had a conversation with one of my supervisors, I, I said, oh, I have to do evaluations of student staff? Oh my, I've never done this before. And good thing is, is my supervisor was very helpful and very guiding and helpful in doing these evaluations. So definitely get with someone uh, that has done them before and seek their advice as well. And as far as definitely keep tabs of what happens throughout the semester, that is the one piece of advice that I got from uh, one of my colleagues early on. And I think that that is especially helpful because it's extremely hard to go through an entire semester and have so many interactions with your student staff. And then you get ready to do your evaluations. And then it's November and you're writing it up all at once and you're like, oh, I've had all these conversations with them, but I don't really remember all of them. So if you're able to have a tangible outline of what you've spoken to your student staff members on in one-on-one -on -one meetings and things of that nature and all of your interactions that you've had with them, you can more accurately give them the evaluation they need and to for them to grow and be the staff member they need for you and themselves so they can be a better, better leader for your institution, your department, and the world. So, that's the show. Next time we'll be hearing from some professionals who will be sharing their experiences being away from family during the holidays. Each year, we do have professional staff who do need to stay behind and be on call. The Res Life Night Shift Podcast would like to say thank you for all that you do and the sacrifices that you're making by staying behind. You honestly can't be thanked enough. Anyway, as we go into 2018, the Res Life Night Shift is hoping to have a lineup of topics ready to go. So if you aren't already connected to the Res Life Professionals Facebook page, be sure to do so. In addition to getting posts like mine, there are always good discussions that's happening. I also will be posting topics to Millennials and Student Affairs as well as the Student Affairs Professionals Facebook pages. So again, you can also follow the Res Life Night Shift on our Facebook page for periodic updates as well. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So, one more thing. Because of the demands of the work of Res Life, I unfortunately must scale back from my goal of having weekly episodes to every other week. When it comes to collaboration, I do recognize that we are all extremely busy. However, with bi-weekly podcast episodes, it is my hope that we can have much more participation from professionals across the country. Again, thank you for tuning in. You all are wonderful. Don't forget to subscribe, hit like, give us some ratings, and leave some comments. This is the Res Life Night Shift. Real stories from full-time professionals. Mm -hmm.